few big one yesterday. They just finished up their four games in an eight-day stretch. So yeah. they've been very busy. Yeah, it's been um, it it's been a time for uh, if you're a San Diego State Aztec player. Um, it seems like though it's kind of weird when they have like time off. They have like a week off. They struggle like evidence against BYU, but they've had four games in eight days and they've gotten W's in three of them. So I guess keep playing. I guess keep the schedule up like this. I don't know. Yeah, that's very interesting how they're able to pull together. Um, they were able to come back and beat Colorado State after having that obvious tragic loss that we covered in the last podcast. Oh, yeah. They came back and won 78 to 65. A real butt kicking, if you ask me. Yeah. Someone, um, they, I think someone awakened the Kraken within the uh, San Diego State basketball team because they came out angry. I Was I at this game? Yeah, I, I believe I was taking pictures of this game. And, yeah, it was another uh, – it was another blitzkrieg in terms of uh, three-point shooting, as said by the Colorado State coach, who I've forgotten his name of. Oops, my bad. <laughs> yeah, and then two series against Nevada that, if you're just a fan of basketball, these games were close. No team ever really had a big margin. SDSU barely won each game. Um, very tight margins. Oh, yeah, this... Games like this, you know, a 65 to 60 win in the first one, and then 69 to 67 in the second one. These are the kind of games. This is why I will always say that I'm a fan of college basketball over the NBA because these games specialized in tough, gritty defense with clutch shooting at the right amount of time. And this is just what we wanted. There's also a little bit of talking in here, but. They, they, were, they kept it cool for the most part, so good, for, good on both of these teams for keeping it cool. So, yeah, we've got four games in eight days, like you just said before. So now we're talking about let, – let's dig into this a little deeper. Now we've gotten our main course entree, and let's start digging in. Let's see what exactly made these wins, these entrees happen. So first let's start with Colorado State, 78-65 W against them, a very nice revenge game which does keep the Aztecs in competition with the, in the Mountain West because um, I think Colorado State almost lost to UNLV, which would have been really bad concerning the net standings. But thankfully, CSU got their crap together and actually won. So let's, get, <laughs> let's dig into this one. First off, I want to talk about the, um, the stats from this game. Free throw shooting was not good for San Diego State in, against Colorado State in that second game only shooting 54.5% from the from the free throw line. Normally you don't win games when you do that, but thankfully for them, they also shot 55.8% from field goal range and from three points, three point land, a huge, huge 51.9% of their threes were made. That is how you win ball games, especially after, especially considering the fact that you didn't make any of your free throws. Yeah, and when it comes to three-pointers, uh, three it is Jordan Shackle all the way. Went mm-hmm. 8 for 11 in the game, 28 points, even put up nine rebounds in the game. Got so close to that double-double. Uh, how do you stop a guy if he's on fire like that? Uh, how, how do you stop a guy like that? Is that 
if you're a defense and you see a guy who's starting to make it rain from three-point land, I think you start to double-team him. But then if you double-team him, oh, no, look what happens. Now you got Nathan Mensa on the paint wide open for himself. And now he's going to bully the forward, and he got a point. Well, this isn't good. See, what happens when this when a guy like Jordan Shackle or a Matt Mitchell is going off, it, it, it means that a defense now has to pay more attention to them, which opens up another shooter in the lane or someone in the paints. That is basically key. That is basically the number one ingredient to how San Diego State wins their basketball games right there. Yeah, totally agree. Uh, I think one thing that we have to credit just the whole team is offensive flexibility. Mm-hmm. As we will see in the three games we cover, there are times when one player's high and then the next game he might not be. But SDSU, they're flexible, and if the three-point shooting isn't working, they can go inside. For this game, though, the three-point shooting was absolutely remarkable. So they just kept at it, and they carried them to the win. I mean, if it's working, then just keep it going. But another thing that I think is a huge part of the reason the Aztecs came through with a victory against Colorado State in the second go-around was Nathan Mensah. Because Jordan Shackle was going so crazy from the three-pointers, then the Rams had to say, okay, well, now we got to focus on him. And this is the time for Nathan Mensah to shine because the first game, four points, four rebounds. Not a great game, not a great time in the office. Second go-around, however, 11 points, eight rebounds, and three blocks. I mean, yeah, he had four personal fouls, but that's another story for another day. But this is when San Diego State, this is, that was big for them. Like this, getting Mensah back into shape is another part of this offense. That was key for them coming into this and coming out of this victory. Yeah, last year he was out for a good portion of the season due to some illness. It was really heartbreaking for that team because they would have been the best team in the nation had they had Mensa and Yanni Wetzel being able to be on the court at the same time. Oh, but for sure. He's gotten back into rhythm really well. And another key to this game is the passing. Uh, I believe the team finished with 18 total assists. Everyone was dishing the ball around. And that's when you get your good shot. If the defense is constantly moving around, chasing the ball, they will leave someone open eventually. They will slip up. And that's what SDSU used the entire time to attack. Oh, yeah, you're, you're correct right there. 18 total assists. During this game, and Trey Polium, a team high five assists. That's Trey Polium's like main role, rather. Right that is why Trey Polium is a starter right there, because he is his basketball IQ is just he, he has a very good basketball IQ. I don't know where I was going with that one, but he's the kind of guy who can set up a pick. He'll set up a three point play. The offense kind of runs through him in a really strange way, but it's how. But it just, you know, works. It's how he passes. It's how he sets everything up. When Trey Pulliam is getting those assist numbers high, it usually equates to an Aztec victory. Yeah, and one thing to note in this game is Adam Seiko had his second career start, and he will be the new guard going forward, it looks like, next to Pulliam. Seiko Mm -hmm. has started every game since AG was out with an injury, and Seiko's here to stay, I guess. He's an elite defender, but on the offensive side, where do you think he stays, or what do you think his role is? I think Adam Seiko's role will be 
kind of like a vanilla version of Trapolium, but instead of, but where we see Trapolium take more passes, we're going to see Adam Seiko take more shots. Because Seiko can also pass the ball around and serve as kind of like what I said, a vanilla version of Trapolium. But he's just got a better shot, in my opinion. That's no slight against Tripolium, but I just believe that Adam Seiko has a better three-point shooting range. Yeah, I agree. Seiko, he shoots threes and can make a lot. And I think one of his benefits is he's an underrated scorer. So defenses won't stay on him as tightly because they know he won't take as many shots. But he's very selective. And a lot of times when he does take the shot, it goes in. It's just how often will he? Of course, in the game we're talking about right now, Colorado State, mm-hmm. he was empty, could not make a bucket, but he changed that around in the next few games. Yeah, and even if you don't, even if you have like a bad shooting game, you can still contribute through like other things such as rebounds or assists. While to be honest, he didn't have that great of a game in that game against Colorado State. He only had two assists, no rebounds, and a few fouls. He was still there to help, like set everything up. So even if you don't show up on the on the on the box score, you still contribute to a team because Adam Seiko's plus minus in 20 minutes and 24 seconds of court time was a 12. So he had a positive net in the plus minus scorings and the plus minus stats. So hey, whatever he's doing, it was working during Colorado State. Mm-hmm. And then moving on, uh, do you have any? final thoughts on this game or should we move on to the first Nevada game? Uh, I think we should um, first off let's also talk about just a little bit because Jordan Shackle like you said he was insane literally 28 points let's just end it on that because of just how crazy it was for him just to go crazy with that let's let's move on though let's move on to Nevada first game against Nevada that little uh that little boxing match we had there oh boy yeah 65 60 the highest margin at any point in the game was seven, but it was constantly within a couple possessions for the lead. And that, that's the thing about Nevada is they're not a bad team. Like, they're a pretty – they're a good team. In the Mountain West, Nevada is a pretty solid team, and this was a matchup of, I believe, pretty, pretty even teams. Like, you know, they're both three-point shooters. They're both pretty good offensively. That's a, it's just incredible seeing this kind of like back and forth, body blow, body blow, just keep on hitting each other. Who's going to come out on top? This is, it was a defensive scrum, but thankfully, San Diego State had, they just turned around on defense, especially after those games against Colorado State. They knew what to expect coming into this game against Nevada. And just, it's kind of a different story, though, concerning the stats here, the three main stats. Shooting from field goal percentage, it's looking like San Diego State in the first game shot 40.8% from field goal land, while for three-pointers, it was 37.5%. However, however, the free throw line is what made the difference for San Diego State here. 86.4% free throws against Nevada that first game. That was the money right there. That's where you earn your money. And so in this game, Two players were the highlight for SDSU. Matt Mitchell, who put up his second career double-double, and Nathan Mensa, who didn't get his double-double, but was absolutely on fire. Uh, so Mitchell put up 20 points with 10 rebounds in the game. And then Mensa put up 16 points with seven rebounds. Mm-hmm. And 
then uh, he had two blocks and a steal. Mitchell had one block and two steals. They were on fire in like down low in the paint. That was their game. One other thing to mention. Mitchell went 9 for 10 from the charity stripe, and Mensa went 8 for 10 from the charity stripe. Yes, that's correct. I, yeah, this was Nathan Mensa's big game in terms of shooting from the charity stripe because over these past three games, including Colorado State, that, that second game against Colorado State, uh, we saw that Nathan Mensa only made 12 of 20 from the charity stripe, which is a, only a 60%. If you're taking a test, like, in college, that's a D right there. <laughs> but the fact that he meant 8 from 10 in that second game, it kind of defeats that whole hack a mensaw strategy that some teams have had during the past, where just foul the big guy and hope, hope to God that he misses the free throw because more, 9 times out of 10, he's probably going to miss it. So that kind of defeated that theory in the first game. The second game was kind of different for him. But Matt Mitchell, yeah, 20 points for Matt Mitchell, especially in that second game. In that, oh, my God, what am I talking about? First game, the 20 points. 20 points, eight, 10 rebounds, like what you said, Evan. He was their go-to guy. He was the guy on fire during that game. Yeah, and so, as we mentioned earlier, this was opposite strategies. Our three-point percentage wasn't our bread and butter. Um, Shackle only put up eight points this game after putting up 28 the previous game, and he was the only player to make two three-pointers in this game. Everyone else had a few attempts, but they only were able to make one of them. Mm-hmm. So when came, oh, go ahead. Oh, no, you go ahead, please. <laughs> and sometimes you won't make – sometimes you're going to have a bad day during the court. But with Jordan Shackle – it's kind of weird you say that because Shackle was the only guy to make more than one three-pointer despite them taking so many three-point shots. But it's kind of that three-pointer that put them – it kind of put them like it, – it kind of it – just, it just helped them out a lot, you know? It and was, one of his makes gave him the lead with about two minutes left, and they never gave up the lead at that point. Mm-hmm. So – Although he wasn't making a high volume, he made it when it was needed. He made it when it counts. That's what's important. He made the shots when they counted. I think it yeah. might also have to do with how Nevada scheduled it or how Nevada came into this game because they saw him go crazy against Colorado State. I mean, they saw 28 points. I think they decided to try and focus a lot of the more attention on him which opened up Matt Mitchell to start shooting again. And one thing about Mitchell is his size and speed has to be one of the most intimidating things to defend against. Mm -hmm. Everyone knows he can pull up and take a three-pointer. He can drive to the basket, and he will find a way to get a quality shot. Or he will just make make you foul him. And then he will go to the line, and he made nine of his ten free throws. So you just don't know how to defend him, and he steamrolled Nevada, really, because he could beat them at any point in the game. I mean, there's a reason that Mitchell declared for the NBA draft but didn't sign for an agent. He knew he wasn't going to be going to the NBA, but he also wanted to come back to San Diego State. So they, so the NBA told him, they saw the scouts saw him, and they said, all right, here's what we want you to work on. 
this could be a preview of what we see in a potential NBA run for Matt Mitchell. Absolutely. He has the size to get in there. Mm-hmm. Um, fellow Aztec Malachi Flynn got some time in the NBA and finally made some baskets. We'll talk about that later on, though. So SESU is kind of building a program. They're not known for producing NBAers. Kawhi Leonard obviously being the most notable, but right now, Dutcher seems to just have the right formula to appeal to NBA scouts. <laughs> yeah. And I think it's also, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say one more thing before we move on to the second Nevada game, which was, good golly, Miss Molly, that was even more crazy than the other one. <laughs> they played all three of these games. Let's see, am I correct here in stating this? Yes. Yes, I can say this. They played all three of these games without Keshaw Johnson. No Keshaw Johnson in either three of these games. And it's kind of weird because he was also another guy getting kind of some like interest saying like, well, maybe he could be in the NBA. He's got the size, he's got the speed. He just needs a shot. But I think it has to do with that shoulder injury he suffered in that first game against Colorado. So we haven't seen Keshaw Johnson yet. Uh, Stay tuned for more injury updates though. Yeah. Yeah. That he is um, the sixth, seventh man off the bench, but he hasn't been there. So yeah, we do need to get an update from Dutch on that. I'm sure I'll, I'm sure that will be provided an update sooner or later ish. Don't quote me on that, please. Yeah, but moving on to the second Nevada game, 69-67. Nice. Other beater finish. Crazy. Oh so before we say anything, that was SDSU's first buzzer beater since 2012 when Jamal Franklin hit a three-pointer. Wow, what a throwback. <laughs> that is a well, at least according to the um to the um San Diego Union Tribune, it's uh, I think it said um oh my god, now I need to go find this. Yes, it was Yastek's first buzzer beating game winner since Jamal Franklin's three against Boise State in the 2012 Mountain West tournament. That is from Mark Ziegler of the San Diego Union Tribune. That that's insane. This game was so fun to watch. Credit to both Nevada and SDSU. Throughout the game, both teams were in it. Both teams were competing. And this was the fourth game in eight days for SDSU. They were tired. Yes. Dr. said that they had to take a day off, no practicing. They just watched film and prepared. And so they knew their opponent really well because they had just played them, obviously, in the first game against Nevada. So they tried to make some minor adjustments, but to me, it looked like the same game plan as a whole. Very similar. Very similar. This was, I didn't, um, as I said in previous um, podcasts, I was able to take pictures for my college newspaper, Daily Aztec. Go check me out. Plugging right there. No no shame at all. (laughs) But I took some pictures. I noticed that a lot of these players, like I saw there were, especially on the Aztec side of the ball, they were like, they just looked dog and tired. I mean, I mean, I saw Tomayek. He was on the bike. He was kind of like riding it out, trying to like ride out some cramps. Shackle, he was looking like he just pulled, an, pulled like two all-nighters to study for a test. These guys were exhausted. This was another, another physical game between the Aztecs and the Wolfpack. And the Aztecs were just 
wipe at the end of it. Like, they immediately went straight to the locker room after that buzzer beater. Yeah, well, they earned it, though. They need to celebrate. Trey Pulliam ended up being the player with four seconds left to drive down the court, put in a layup, win the game. Yeah, coast to coast for Trey Pulliam there. And it's this is also a weird scenario because we saw some people who got mad at Coach Brian Dutcher for not calling a timeout in that first Colorado State game. He did not call a timeout to set a play before this game. He just kind of let his – he trusted his players to run the play and see what would happen there. I know some people may be mad that he didn't call a timeout or maybe it may not have been the tactically correct decision. But the trust that Brian Dutcher shows in his players was clearly evident in that final run, that final play. One thing, especially when we're talking about Dutcher's trust, is a couple plays before, with a, in a must-foul situation for Nevada, SCSU inbounds the ball to Nathan Mensa out of all mm-hmm. people when you have Terrell Gomez, Matt Mitchell, and Jordan Shackle, who all are amazing at shooting free throws. But Nathan Mentz is the one who gets the ball, knowing he's going to be fouled instantly. The thing that's, is – oh, go ahead. Go ahead. And to me, that's A, shocking. I thought it was a mistake at first. Like, genuinely, the play that they had written up fell through, and Mensa just stepped up and grabbed the ball because he's massive, and his ability to get the ball is very easy. But he did make both free throws. And yeah. after the game, Dutcher said that was by design. <laughs> I think, uh, actually, yeah, because I'm, I'm sorting through right here. I'd like to say that it was Mitchell who was the one who was um, passing the ball for that inbound. It was Mitchell, yeah. Yes. But that, sh- again, it shows a lot of faith in your players, and that's kind of what these head coaches have. And it's what players like to see when their coaches have that much faith in them. At that point of the game, Nathan Mensah made one free throw. He was one for four during the game at the charity stripe. So the fact that they were going to Mensah, knowing that the big guy was probably going to be going up to the line, and he sinks both of them, is just the best kind of payoff. That, it's just that much sweeter seeing that happen. Yeah. Um, well done by Dutcher. And so for this game, once again, it was a Mitchell and Mensah show. Mitchell put up 20 points with eight rebounds. Mensa put up 15 points with six rebounds. The one change that the team had was a lot better ball passing. Yes. Ball movement. Uh, they had 13 assists this game, and they had eight of those assists in the first period. When last game, they only had 10 assists throughout the entire game. So that was their one change, I think, that really helped them out. I think one thing that was that was big too was the penalties, was like the fouls. Nathan Mensah in the past two games against Nevada and Colorado State, he had four personal fouls in each of those games when he scored 11 points, 16 points respectively. In last game, in Saturday's game against Nevada, he had one personal foul, especially for a guy who a power forward slash center like Nathan Mensah to only have one personal foul in the entire game. That keeps him in the game, and you don't have to bench him. You don't have to worry about putting him back on the bench because he's in foul trouble. If he's not in foul trouble, he can continue doing what he does normally, which is bully people in the paints. Absolutely. <laughs> it, it is just amazing 
his left-handed shot, which I think also throws off some people, he just can post up, and it feels like it's impossible to stop him once he has the ball in the paint. You can put two people on him. You can have an equally tall person. But he just – his feel near the basket, it's – he's a smart player. I think that's something that we don't talk about enough. There's a lot of smart players on the Aztecs. It was just silky smooth. And the funny thing is, he didn't just go up for layups and stuff or go up on the boards. He was taking jumpers. Like, he took a couple jump shots in this game. He made one of them, but he, the only one he missed was, like, a last minute because it was, like, one second left in the shot clock, and they were trying to inbound the ball really quickly. But he made a jumper. He, he can take it from range. He can, go up to, he can go up to the line. He can shoot from there. He can go underneath the basket. He's kind of – he's looking like more of an all-around player now that he's getting some playing time. Yeah. Yeah, I completely agree. And then from this perspective, the guards, they shared the wealth a little bit more this game. The previous game, it was basically Pulliam. He was the only scorer. This game, Seiko puts up six points. Pulliam puts up seven. Shackle puts up seven. Gomez puts up six. A little bit better spreading the wealth. We did have a little bit better uh, three-pointer three percentage, which is really nice to see because SDSU can just – they're threats from deep. If, are we talking about the um, overall team three-point percentage shooting or, like, individually? More individually, um, and just the fact that they were making more. They were Yes, they took quite a few, but it matters about what goes in. Yes, because this was actually kind of interesting. Looking at the overalls, because overall as a team, San Diego State shot 31.8% from three-pointers. That's kind of a disappointing yeah. drop from the first game. But however, however, from field goal percentage, they shot 43.4%. A much better, a little bit of a better increase, but still that that tiny increase you have there could be the reason you won the game right there. That's one or two more shots, and they won by one shot. Mm-hmm. That that, and the fact is they didn't get dejected in that final three pointer that was made from Nevada. They did not hang their heads down in shame and said, "Okay, well now we're just going to take it and go into the uh, go into overtime and hope see how it is there." No. They did not do that. And you know what they did instead? They said, okay, you're going to make a shot on us. We're going to go coast to coast on you and win this damn thing. That's what we're going to do against you. One other thing I want to point out, Shackle, once again, we mentioned he was tired, but he shoots and makes baskets when it matters. He only made one three-pointer this game. You want to know when that one three-pointer happened? When was it, Mr. Anderson? With 36 seconds left in the game, he makes a three-pointer. SDSU goes up by three. That's right. Huge. Right there. Huge. That's just play. (laughs) Again, it's choosing your shot, knowing when to take it, and just having that clutch factor. That is what Jordan Shackle is all about. (laughs) uh, So if we want to talk about clutch players, let's go. Let's throw it back to last season probably and – Talk about Malachi Flynn, don't you think? Ooh, Malachi Flynn, Malachi Flynn had himself a nice game in the NBA a couple days ago, did he not? Yeah, really good game. Made his first baskets. He really didn't receive much playing time, but the Raptors, they decided to trust him. And, well, all SDSU know, fans know that if you give him minutes and an opportunity, 
he is going to thrive. In his game against the Sacramento Kings, he put up 12 points, I believe also. Yeah, he got five rebounds, was five for six shooting. Uh, was he five? Yeah, five for six shooting. Really good playing time in 16 minutes, which I believe also marks his high for the season. Yeah, so far it's high for the season. That's the highest amount of minutes he's had since the game against Boston on the 4th of January. We had 16 minutes. He didn't really do much during that time. But Toronto is a 2-6 and six team right now. If, and if now is the time to start the rookie, why not now? I mean, come on. He just he had himself a very fine game in this past time. Maybe it's time to finally start putting Malachi Flynn into the rotation a little more. Maybe feed him a few more minutes than previously, because apparently what you've been doing before hasn't been working, Toronto. So why not? You're two and six. You're at the bottom of the Atlantic standings. So just go for it. Why not? And I was watching some of this game. He looked just like he did at SDSU. He wasn't afraid that, oh, he's an NBA. He's at the top level of his sport now. You would have thought he's a Viejas Arena playing with the show behind him. He was playing with that confidence, that swagger, and just the brain still. <laughs> he's a smart guy. He knows when to take shots, knows when he doesn't have a shot. And it worked out. Um, he also had two assists in this game. I yeah. have to remind fans of that. He is an unselfish player, I'd say. That's true. That's true. I, I agree with that. I mean – Flynn, he doesn't show a lot of emotion on the court. He's kind of, I think he's not, he's less of a emotional guy, more of, more, I'm going to dub him kind of like a, more of like an, an ice man, like a silent killer. Like that's kind of what he does on the court. That's like his, like mental, his mental attitude right there. Yeah. And that's exciting to see. Uh, it's always exciting to see Aztecs make it big. This SCSU organization on, especially once it's gone over to Brian Dutcher. They have been having competitive teams. I know yesterday's game, the game winner by Polium, got national attention in a lot of areas, which is just amazing to see after so long the Aztecs have just been the little guy who occasionally pops up when you have a Kawhi Leonard. But Mm -hmm. I think the nation's starting to respect the team now. It's honestly about time because the only time you hear about teams in the West that are like, who aren't like USC or UCLA is like someone like Gonzaga for obvious reasons. It's finally, I think now is a time, especially after last season and this season combined, maybe now teams are finally going to start putting a little bit more respect on the name. Maybe we'll finally get top 25 in the AP, but again, asking to be top 25 in the AP for today is kind of like asking for COVID to magically go away. So hey, who knows? Maybe we'll get a miracle. And so uh, they have a little bit of a break, but they will go and be playing Utah State uh, next week in another doubleheader type of situation, or a series is a better term for it. Um, how do you think the doubleheaders or the series have been working out this year? And obviously, because of COVID, it's easier to limit exposures, but just this aspect of playing the same team one or two days after you just played them. It's honestly... It's kind of weird because you get to see the same team again. So you, the preparing and the planning and the filming is a little bit easier in that respective. But at the same time, they're going to know how you played in that first game. So it's going to be tougher to plan 
But the second game, because, okay, how do we adjust to them in this sort of a time span? Yeah. And I think SDSU made good adjustments in both games. Just just to stay on top, that's all you need. And uh, looking at their team, there's Kata again, um, who this will be a good matchup for Nathan Mensa, I'd say. Mm-hmm. Also, it's going to be a nice... Uh, go ahead. Oh, go ahead, go ahead. My bad, my bad. Oh, I was going to say, Mensa, as we've been talking about, he's finally finding his pace. He's going to be matched up against a big man who is just as talented as him. Battle of the big man. you love to see it. Yeah. Also, this is kind of a revenge game for last time when Utah State beat us in the Mountain West tournament. So it's going to be interesting to see how these teams play each other. If there's going to be a little more jaw between the players or a little more physicality, it's going to be fun to watch. Yeah, that was my last live game that I've seen, and it was a heartbreaker while there. Oh, my goodness. Both teams played their hearts out. It'll be a little bit different not having Malachi Flynn, Wetzel, Fagan. But Matt Mitchell has stepped up. Mensa's finally playing. If Shackle and Gomez can find their three-point shooting stroke like they did last in, against Colorado State, I like our chances. That's all I'm going to say about it. Yeah, I agree with you. I We cover SDSU, so we're probably a bit biased, but this is a team that can adjust, that can do it all. I, I'd give the edge to SDSU. It's going to be an even game, especially concerning how SDSU has this really bad habit of letting teams hang around, especially towards the end of the game. I think they just kind of need to keep their foot on the gas pedal and just kind of not play with their food. Just finish them off. Just finish them off. Play solid defense and try to keep them out of the out, out of the game for as long as you can. But that's kind of what every coach says. So I'm probably just repeating the same thing that everyone else says. Yeah, well, I think that covers the future and the past of this last week. I think it does too. I think it's a pretty good – I think we covered a lot of it. Yeah, well, I'd like to say thank you to everyone who's watching and who's, or not watching, listened all this time. But <laughs> uh, we we enjoyed this. We hope you enjoy it, and we'll catch you next week, right? I believe so. Yeah, I mean, I'm free on Sundays. So yeah. Saturday, I might be busy on Saturday, but Sunday I should be free. Okay, cool.